Hi, this is Hal Peller, and the upcoming podcast was recorded last year at the AIM conference in Austin, Texas. And since the new conference, uh, the, the new world conference coming up in Montreal is only a few weeks away, I wanted to get this up posted so that people can hear it. Uh, it's about Viola Spolin, and I, I realize that we never explained who Viola Spolin is. Um, so Viola was uh, considered to be the mother of improvisation. She wrote the book uh, <clears throat> theater, uh, Improvisation for the Theater, and in it, it has uh, many theater games that many directors and actors use to solve problems in acting. So uh, she's uh, the, the book is considered to be the the Bible for uh, improvisation, modern day improvisation, and uh, I've been using it to teach from for over 30 years, and I go to it occasionally, uh, uh, often, and uh, and refer to it. I always learn something new. But the uh, upcoming uh, podcast is um, uh, an interview and uh, about Viola Spolin's work. This is Hal Peller um, at the AIM conference in Austin, Texas, AIM Applied Improvisation Network, and uh, I'm with uh, Sparky Johnson and, 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 and Gary Schwartz. Um, we all, uh, three of us, are, are Spawn advocates, and uh, Gary, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm Gary Schwartz, and uh, I uh, was a uh, student of Viola Spolin's. I met her in 1976. Uh, and I stayed uh, as a student and a friend of hers all the way through the rest of her life into the uh, 90s, um, when she passed away in 95. Uh, I've spent uh, my life uh, trying to explore her work and understand it and promote it and, um, and, and, and teach it. So that's been my passion, is making sure her work uh, lives on in a way that um, you know, honors her. And Sparky? I'm Sparky Johnson. I come from uh, Alberta, Canada. I uh, was exposed to the work of Viola Spolin as an undergraduate at the University of Alberta. And uh, it launched my professional career, uh, both in, in companies that I helped to be a part of forming and in the, in the Second City where we had a company in Edmonton, Alberta. It wasn't until I went back to school and then became a professor at the university that I actually met and worked with Paul Sills, and this was in the early 1990s. And then I was exposed to his mother's work and the way he has uh, applied it uh, in a much in a much more transformative way. Um, 
it changed my life. It changed the way I teach, and uh, I'll never look back. And, and and I was exposed to I was uh, doing stand up in the seventies, and I took comedy writing class, and uh, Joey Novick was teaching that comedy class, and I was a mediocre stand up at best, and but he introduced me to the book Improvisation for the Theater by Viola Spohn. I read it cover to cover and just completely fell in love with the process. And, it just, and that was a life-changing uh, moment for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I have, um, I contribute my career as it is today uh, because of that book. Process is a good word. Uh, this is not, this is not a, a, uh, a set way uh, that, that you can rigidly say it this way. It's not technique. It's a process. It's an ongoing process. And it's not even a system. It is a system of training, but it's more than that. It's, it's really the doorway to a philosophy yeah. that Viola was, was espousing and that, that uh, is, is desperately needed. She used to call her work um, uh, kindergarten for the 21st century. <laughs> And that's essentially what this is. And, you know, now a lot of people are catching up to that idea in the 21st century with books like, uh, you know, that, that Daniel Pink writes and uh, uh, people like that. I'm uh, uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, yeah, right. And Blink. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, 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 and it, the other thing that uh, I use... Uh, Viola's work with is, is is getting people in touch with their intuitive self. You know, I asked the, my, my my attendees, you know, have you ever had this experience where you said the exact right thing at the exact right time mm-hmm. and you have a, a, no idea where it, it came from? Right. You surprised yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And intuition is something you can't access in a in a in a, in a linear way. It has to be. Uh, uh, almost you have to be preoccupied with something else, maybe developing a skill. And, and at the same time, she had these exercises that were um, called multiple stimuli games. You had mul- two focuses, more than two focuses. Right. When, you, when, you, when you're so involved in that way, then, then um, as when you play a game, your, your intuition just kicks in. And you can't just will it, you can't turn it on and off like a faucet. You have to fall into that space. And each time you have to fall into it brand new. And because, uh, if you think you know how to get there, you, then you, you're not, you can't get there. Right, right, right. Because you're in your head. You're in your head. <laughs> and you think you know the way. And, and so many people get that way. And, uh, you've got to just be respectful of the fact that, um, you know, um, Finding that area of, and going into that unknown space is an adventure every single time, even if you've played the game a thousand times. Right. Mm-hmm. I'd say trust the process. Well, and yeah, and trusting the process um, is is even easier the way she created it because she she builds in something called side coaching. And side coaching means that you're not alone out there trying to pump her around. You've got somebody who's seeing what's there and, and, and trying to, you know, launch you into that space as best they can with the right word, the right, the right direction, or the, you know, um, the right coaching. And so, um, again, uh, you know, we're in the coaching industry. This is, 
But side coaching like that is very rarely used in improvisation, right? In improvisational performance, and it's a it's, it's a key element. Yeah, no, I I I, I say to uh, the people that that I'm going to be doing side coaching, which is uh, getting your notes in the minute, in the moment, in the moment, as opposed to waiting to after the scene or waiting for your 90 day review. Yeah. Or <laughs> Yeah. And the, the, the one thing about side coaching is in the book, which is, as we know, the Bible, it's a valuable resource. There are suggested side coach, coaching terms for each game. Mm-hmm. But the thing about that is those are suggestions. Those are things you can draw on. But you, uh, any side coach has to be in the moment, as present as the players who are playing, if not more so, to, to know the right thing to say at the right moment, to get them into that off-balance moment to where the intuition can kick in. Right, right. Right, and that's, I think, missing from uh, Viola's training system is how do you acquire that that skill as a side coach? Well, to, from my mind, you have to have played and been coached and found the, the, the uh, morass you find yourself in, see, you know, what those coaches do for you if, you know, after you've played so that you have the empathy when you, when you are the coach. Right, right. And, um, then you have to also, Viola would say, you have to have that diagnostic eye to say what's needed here rather than just try anything, you know. You have to know enough to say, oh, he's in this situation or he's in that situation. This might spark him to the next thing. And it's not a direction. This is what a lot of people don't understand. It's not freeze, okay, now try this. It's... While you're doing this, add this into the mix. Try that. Right. That's not working. Try this thing. And it's a, it's a, um, it's a relationship you have with the players. You're playing with, with them. the players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let, let, let me ask you this. I, I, one of the other things I took away from it was that when the side coaching is not player specific, mm-hmm. it's for everybody who is playing at the same time. When, when she sees somebody doing something that could be done better or differently, she just gives that note in the moment, that coaching note, in the moment to everybody. Well, you know, but it, 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 if the coach penetrates to, to you know, it, 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 in other words, it's not for everybody to do at the same time. It's if you need it. Mm-hmm. So there might be six people in, I, when I'm doing a group of mirror games and everybody's in couples mirroring. And I say, you know, I'm never going to call anybody specifically say, you know, you know, how you, you know, make sure that your arms are this way, you know. I say, you know, see your fellow player in the mirror head to toe. Right. Uh, and there are people who are already doing it, so that's not necessary for them. But if the other people need it, they can add it in. Right. Like yesterday uh, uh, at one of the games that you were doing, uh, the, you know, pass the, uh, use the object. Great transformation, transformation of, of the space. And in uh, um, some, Sparky said... Uh, don't label, you don't have to label the object. Right. And I said, oh, maybe I was labeling the object. <laughs> yeah. When I was, you know, pulling my, the coat well, was too small for me. Yeah. Well, so that's the other thing. The danger is what I suggested in the, during that exercise was um, work with the space. Don't create a story about your work with the space because this is the temptation. Right. Everybody wants to make a little story about what they're working with. But then they're really, then, then they're taking them, their focus away from the actual contact with the material itself. And that's the essential thing. A story will put you in your head. 
uh, or it will. Uh, yeah, I'll give you a quick little story. You know, um, uh, there was a, a, an actor. I won't uh, say his name or anything, but we were watching him in an improv, and um, and he was a very accomplished actor, but um, and and big over the top, a broad uh, actor. And Viola would would lean into me while we were watching him, and she'd say, "I don't know what coach to give him to let him know that he's showing off." <laughs> but because if you just say, "Oh, you're showing off," right. well, that that's that shuts you down. Right, right. But what could she say that says, you know, that 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 re- relieves him of the need to show off? And she was working on that problem. So you know, uh, uh, every student presents the problem to the side coach. So the side coach is is also side coaching or trying to solve the problems. Right, right. And problem solving is the essence of gameplay. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's 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 another thing that we would need to talk about because that's we need to show uh, how it's applied, how how spawn improvisation is applied to. Uh, to organ, you know, making transformation of organizations, uh, mm-hmm. uh, heroic improv. We saw the, yeah, the, you know, the, how that works, how the problem solving works. You want to take that? Oh, uh, well, I mean, as we know, this this work is is life transforming, and uh, I mean that that applies to all aspects of life. And in, I mean, we're very fortunate living in North America in a first world culture. Um, but you can take these games and help people unlock the intuitive self so that they can then articulate their own problems and find a voice for themselves, for their community. And, uh, and through that voice, that can be very empowering. Um, so yeah, in a, in a, in a, in a very broad way, the, the possibilities are limitless right. of, of, yeah. of where this work can be taken. You know, uh, you know, I do a coaching with a lot of corporations, big corporations, Fortune 500 corporations, and and one thing I hear is, is there's no magic bullet, there's no magic banana to make the, the cultural change that needs to happen. And I'm thinking, oh, guess there is. <laughs> I just can't yeah. tell you about it. Well, I can't say, I can't label that. But this is it right here. This is the magic bullet. Yeah, but you you know, the thing is, is it doesn't happen in in one dose. Right. It happens over time, and this is one of the things. And also, it happens, uh, you know, the, the, one of the, the blocks that uh, uh, I confront all the time that I come to aim to try to solve is um, how do I package the idea that having fun is the highest state to be in because it's counter to what business thinks of right. as work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, because we're at a conference, you can hear the people milling around us. <laughs> Excitement everywhere. Yes. Um, okay, so uh, I, the um, you know, a friend of mine says that uh, told me this analogy that uh, life is like a baseball game. Uh, sometimes you get up and get a hit. Sometimes you walk. Sometimes you strike out. Sometimes you get to first base. Sometimes you get to second base. And sometimes you even get to come home. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, baseball is an analogy that Viola always used because she said, you know, the game happens not uh, not 
by any prescribed way, the game falls out of everybody following the ball. Whither to the ball goes, that's, that's the outcome of the game. And it can only, and that's what's the exciting part, is the unfolding of the unknown event in front of people. And that's what improv essentially is, as an art form, is the unfolding of an unknown event. Now, it can be unknown, it has to be, at its highest form, unknown to the players themselves. And the, the, the danger and the risk is that, and what happens a lot of times is that, uh, players don't, don't allow themselves that space to step out into that unknown. They think they do. They give it lip service. But they're pulling a lot of, um, uh, old references, old way, uh, you know, tried and true methods, uh, because they're, uh, under the obligation that this has to, you know, work for the audience. And that's a very, deadly combination because um, you really have to fearlessly go out there each time and, um, uh, and it's complicated how to get everybody to do that and it's rare even even uh, you know so uh, but that's that's the goal is to, is to is to be discovering it at the same time the audience is witnessing it and that's that's really the high level of improv that I like to see. And unfortunately, I don't see it as often as I'd like. But that's also, transformation is, a big part of transformation is discovery. It's completely discovery. Right. And it's discovery without labeling and without initiating and without uh, uh, any old frame of reference. As a matter of fact, the, the minute you have an old frame of reference, uh, you, you're going to fall into those cliches. Right. See, and, and, uh, I used to do transformation of relationship, which is, I don't know if you know the game, but, um, uh, it, it's sort of a kaleidoscopic version of, of freeze tag without the freeze. Um, you're constantly shifting and following each other and seizing upon things that will form into a quick relationship that becomes obvious to both players simultaneously. You play a little bit of that relationship out and then find something new to examine between the two of you to fall, to find a new relationship. But when, you know, oftentimes one gesture, one motion will remind you of, oh, let's, let's go into fencing. Let's go into, uh, uh gorillas, you know, and, and, um, if, and it works for the audience, but, it doesn't change you, the actor. Mm -hmm. So uh, I used to, my partner and I, who used to do it quite a lot, whenever we would notice that this is where we were headed together, rather than just indulge ourselves, we'd say pass, and we'd keep in that in that no motion, in that try exploration until a new relationship happened that we that we, excited us, and that and it made our performances way more electric. Sparky. Yeah, well, just uh, bouncing off of some of the things Gary said, it, it comes back to this, what you mentioned earlier about about that not knowing, being being free to see the world unlabeled, knowing that you don't have to put labels on everything. Sometimes labels emerge, but they emerge out of the playing as opposed to out of your head, I'm going to take it this way, I'm going to do this, this would be great. Yeah. Well, that's what I recommend the side coach to be for that person who's showing off. Mm -hmm. Get out of your head. Well, you, you can say that, but, you know, that's not a side coach that's effective. 
Uh, Get out of your head, you know. Uh, you know, uh, stay, you know, uh, uh, be taller. You know, it doesn't help you. you no, know? no, no, no. I, I would give. I would do that to the whole stage. Yeah, but so how do you get out of your head? You have to give them a specific thing to focus on oh, oh, that trips them into out. The space. But how? Ah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, what thing is going to do it? You can't. Uh, that's like saying you make your partner look good. It's a wonderful thing to say. The sentiment is there. It means take the uh, focus off of yourself, and you you know. But the thing is, is then you you put the attention that the player is like saying how how do I make my partner look good What's yeah, going to make my partner my look head. good mm-hmm. And you and then then you're, you you disconnect from the person going into yourself saying What can I do So but that's the side coach's job to say you know um, uh, heighten heighten what's going on between you or slow motion if you see someone very urgently or if they're not connecting, they're not seeing one another, you'll say, you'll use the coach of camera. Make your whole body a lens of a camera to see the other person. Um, and, and, uh, that gets you out of your head because you have a specific thing to do. I got you. But if you just give them a general note of get out of your head, then you're t- asking them to be their own side coach, which is a very high state to be in, by the way, and it's possible, and that's the goal. Well, that's what I, I side coached myself when when he said uh, uh, no, no, no labels, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I I heard Aretha's voice saying, "From your head to your toe, use your whole body." Yeah, <laughs> and I was saying things in that uh, you know, like uh, uh, stay in contact with the space. Heighten your contact with the space. Explore that right. versus you know uh, uh, you know uh, you're going too slow. Speed it up. Right. Uh, don't label that. Yeah, yeah. You know mm-hmm. um, those those are don'ts aren't as good as do's. Right. Yeah, positive. What's the positive side? Yeah, of uh, uh, give them a, a, a proactive thing to do. Right, right. That gets them out of their head. Okay. I'm monopolizing the whole thing. No, no, that's all right. I mean, there are, there, are things, there are things that jump, you know, bouncing off of what you say I, that, that occur to me, uh-huh. and then they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> Life is ephemeral, and so is this work. Right. It's constantly changing. But, yeah, the, the, the sense of, of no urgency. I think as as, uh, as someone who's, who's going into their head panicking, I've got to make this work, I've got to make this work. Which is very common. Yeah. It's slow sure. motion. Slow it down. Take your time. Explore that moment. Heighten that contact. Yeah, so I tell them you have to slow it down. Slow it down so that your intuitive can catch up to you. Yeah, but um, sometimes when I, you know, you, I'll see students or especially improvisers, you know, when they see slow motion, it's a gimmick, and they do this cinematic imitation of slow motion. Mm-hmm. And they'll do a slow motion fight and it'll get a lot of laughs because it's funny. And that's not true slow motion. Uh, you know, uh, I remember Paul Sills in a workshop, we were doing slow motion and he's going, the space around you is slow. You're moving through slow motion space. You're not moving slowly. <laughs> You're not moving slowly. You're not, you're, you're, the space around you is slow. And if you don't understand that distinction, then you're forcing yourself into a phony slow motion that does you no good whatsoever. It just, that's showing off. Uh Or making a joke. Right, right. 
<laughs> yeah, I used to wonder what the heck we were walking in space. What was the outcome? What was the uh, benefit of walking? In, uh, that's how we started every workshop. He had us all walking in space. Yeah. And and uh, I went, what, what, why do we do this? Why do we do this? This is not, you know, it's not fun. It's not funny. And then I, uh, and when I started teaching it, <laughs> it, it came to me. Yeah. Well, I always say before a spacewalk, what we're trying to do is become familiar with this stuff that's between us. Right. Mm -hmm. And what's between us is space. And space is not nothing. Space is the actual medium through which we receive all of our reality. And if we share that space, not just intellectually, but physically, and that space can become anything, that space can become a rope, uh, a, a hotel room, an operating table. Um, uh, it can become whatever you need if you uh, uh, are in contact with it, in touch with it, and allow it to support you. And respect it. Respect yes, it. Yes, that was what Paul would always say to you. Yeah, right? This is not an acting technique. This is learning to respect the invisible. Yeah, yeah. and make the invisible visible. Right. That's the whole goal. Right. But so many people just think space is nothing but nothing. It's just air between us. Yeah. And they fill the air with words. And words are just references to other things. And so how do you change that paradigm? Because right, right. we're all hooked on labeling, having enough information, uh, you know, and then just having a big card catalog of references. And the bigger the card catalog, the cleverer and more interesting the person is supposed to be. Right. But like Viola would always say, she said, you know, true creativity is not the clever rearranging of the known. If you already know it, then it's old information. Even if it's new to somebody else, it's old to you. And uh, it's that's only half of improvising. Then. You're not really improvising. You're, you're showing off. <laughs> right, right, right. So uh, this is a, a we're at the conference for applied improvisation. You know what surprised me was that so many people have no improvisation experience mm -hmm. and that are that are attending the conference. Yeah, I think that's actually good. Um, yeah. uh, you know, in 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 the classes I took with Viola Spolin, we were not all actors. I was a neophyte mime trying to understand what acting was. Uh, there were people who, like Melissa Manchester in our class, Didi Khan, who were accomplished performers and actors. But there was also Viola's gardener. There was a cantor, a, a female cantor named Marty. Um, there were people who, you know, uh, uh, from every stripe. And they were all in this one class, you know. So it wasn't like Spolin 101, Spolin mm. 303, you know, an advanced Spolin. Right. Spolin is democratic. Exactly. And, and um, the interface between skill and so-called skill and not skill, sometimes having, not having had the, the experience makes, makes, makes the newness of the experience brilliant, whereas uh, somebody who's already had those experiences so it's harder for them to achieve that because they're going through old experiences that they've already had. It's called the beginner's mind, right? You know, in yes. Zen, right? Yes. And there's a great saying. A great saying it says, "You know, in the beginner's mind, everything is possible. In the expert's mind, only a few things." 
Oh, interesting. Wow, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, again, this is a applied improvisation. And, and what can you name one of the 200 plus games that, that uh, solve different problems that you would use to help uh, a company or an organization? Well, a company would have to say, um, we're having problems with uh, not hearing each other. So we would do listening games. And Viola would have a ton of listening games. Games that ha make you pay attention to the other person. Um, uh, if, 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 if the problem was um, uh, morale, we would just play a whole bunch of kick-ass fun games, you know. It, it, you apply what's needed at the time it's needed. So in no company, I don't treat any company the same way. They have to say to me, here's our problem. And then even when they say that, and I go into a, a, a group, it, it, that does, it may not appear to me that that's their problem. It may appear that their problem is they have too many judgmental people. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so they're stuck with people making snap judgments that are based on total prejudice, personal prejudice. And wrong perceptions. And wrong perceptions. And I say, so the issue is not teamwork. The issue is the fact that I've got to wake these people up to the fact that their judgment is stopping them from enjoying what they're doing. Um, so let's, let's think of some ways to wrap up this, my first podcast <laughs> ever. <laughs> I'm on the podcast committee at the uh, Applied Improvisation Network. Well, oh. go ahead, Sparky. What What's the upshot for you for the AIN conference? Well, uh, bouncing off of, again, what Gary just spoke about, I, I think what's, what's great about this work is that it does bring people from all walks of life. We can find a, a harmony in... in in, in striving to be present, in, in unlocking the intuitive self, of getting the intuition and the intellect into a, into a state of balance. And uh, you don't have to be a guru. You don't have to be um, coming from so much training or whatever. That It, it is a, a unifying principle. And that's what's great about this conference, is that we're all sponges. We're all soaking in each other's wealth of knowledge um, and then applying it and I, and and Gary and I know that as you do how that uh, you know Viola was was a visionary ahead of her time um, and uh, and was bringing this gift to the world and we are the disciples that that are carrying it on and to add to that um, I love the fact that uh, we're just one approach among many and that there are lots of avenues to what we're all talking about. And I think all of us at this conference are after that same thing. I know Keith Johnstone is after it. And, um, you know, his path is a, you know, is a different methodology. And there are other paths. But as I would tell, or Viola would tell me when I would say, you know, we would see something that just was amazing. <clears throat> and I, and it wasn't necessarily in her work. We'd see, a, you know, a, a ballet or something or whatever it was. And I said, wow, that really speaks to the issue of following the following. She says, honey, the truth is the truth is the truth. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> 
So that's it. That's and, the truth. And, and I really think that you should play her in a one a one man uh, show. A one man show and be Viola Spolin. <laughs> well, uh, Paul Sparky here did uh, do a one man show about his work with Paul Sills called uh, Back to Borneo, where he does channel Paul Sills. <laughs> so he channels his mentor. I channel mine, and I'm sure many of uh, uh, the people here channel Keith right as best they can. <laughs> so, but it's whatever inspires you, and uh, Viola inspired me. Yeah, and me too. Mm-hmm. And me, you know, vicariously through, channeled through her son, Paul Sills. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah I never met Viola either, yeah. but I, I work a lot with Paul. Yeah. So, th- thanks guys, it's been a, it's been a great AIM conference. Uh, the food was great, entertainment's been great, and, uh, and, and talking with you guys, every opportunity I get to talk with you guys, I learn something every time. Thanks. Thanks, yeah. Thank you. And it was great meeting everybody yeah. here.